This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, Season 2. It's a radio show and podcast about the goings-on in our region under the new normal. I'm producer Gary Farrow. This week we take a look at the heat wave which has swept through much of the Waikato. Hamilton, Taumurunui, Tikawiti, Taupo and doubtless many of the towns in between have seen some of their hottest days on record heading into 2022. Social media gave coverage to ridiculously high temperature readings in people's homes. Crowds descending on the rivers and beaches of the Waikato and blocks of dairy milk chocolate drooping in their wrapping on convenience store shelves. But why is this heat suddenly upon us? I went straight to the experts. My name is Chris Brandolino and I'm a meteorologist and lead the forecasting services team uh, in Auckland for Niwa. Why has the heat spike happened throughout much of New Zealand and indeed down here in the Waikato uh, over the last few days? It's a real surprise. We've had some moderate weeks over the start of the summer, but now there's just been this sea change in the conditions. Yeah, a few things coming together for for the hot weather. Of course, it's summer and it it always gets warm, generally gets warm in the summer season, so that's no surprise there. But what we have going on is that um, we have a large area of high pressure in the atmosphere, and this time of the year when you get high pressure sitting overhead, uh, that tends to really heat what we call the column. So the column being from the ground all the way up in the vertical, imagine a hot air balloon rising. So throughout that column, the air becomes quite warm under high pressure. And so that really helps to create um, a favorable environment to get, uh, because of very very long days. Keep in mind, we just recently passed the summer solstice, so the days are still very long. You have very long days. Um, You have high pressure kind of helping to facilitate or promote a a warm column or a warm atmosphere, and that does really set you up for uh, hot days. On top of that, we have a few other things going on. Our ocean temperatures around the Motu are very warm. We've had generally speaking, marine heat wave conditions. So marine heat wave, what that describes is how unusually warm the ocean temperatures are. And I know Waikato is is pretty land-based. It's pretty much in the center of the North Island. But uh, keep in mind, New Zealand is an island nation. So we are really um, linked to our ocean temperatures. If our ocean temperatures are running warmer than usual, then it makes it more likely that our air temperatures will do just the same. 
So we've had a warmer than usual ocean temperatures to uh, to a point where, um, it, as I say, it's a marine heat wave. So that's uh, highly unusual in terms of the um, uh, warm ocean waters. And then in the background, of course, we have climate change, and that's something um, that is a part of the equation. Um, it has an influence on all big weather events, be they extreme wind or be it extreme rain or extreme lack of rain, which is drought, or extreme warmth like we've experienced recently. So uh, those are the components that kind of make up um, the recent hot spell or heat wave we've experienced and continue to experience. What factors cause the sea to heat up like it has? Yeah, high, pr- high pressure is, is one of them. So a um, few things going on there. So taking a step back, we, we're in what's called a La Nina. So La Nina is a climate driver, and a climate driver is something that we like to call that is basically at the steering wheel of Mother Nature's car. So if you can identify who's driving Mother Nature's car, it gives you a good idea of which direction you'll be going over, say, a several-month period. In this instance, the person or the climate driver at Mother Nature's car is La Nina. And that's, a, that's, a, that's basically a phenomenon in the tropical Pacific, and the equatorial Pacific, and that tends to give us more northeasterly quarter winds, so winds coming from a warm direction. Not every day, but it just gives us uh, more of those, I guess, um, events or more of those days with the wind direction like so. That also produces warmer than usual ocean temperatures. Whenever we have a La Nina as a climate driver um, across the oceans around New Zealand, the ocean waters, so the Tasman Sea and our adjacent coastal waters, we tend to have warmer than usual sea surface temperatures around the country. So that's one tick in the box. The other, as I mentioned, is that aforementioned high pressure. We've had um, multiple kind of, I guess, runs or uh, successions of days where we've had rather settled weather, um, thanks to high pressure, which brings settled weather. And when you have settled weather at this time of the year, going back to those long days, it really helps to heat up the ocean. You don't have a lot of wind. Um, you have a lot of sunshine, generally speaking. And those two things do a really good job at heating the top layer of the ocean. So you kind of put all of that together, and that's what's led us to um, not only warmer than average air temperatures, warmer than average ocean temperatures, and it creates what's kind of a what's called kind of a, a positive loop or a positive feedback in the sense that you have warmer ocean temperatures, which helps keep the air warm, which therefore helps keep the ocean temperatures warm, which therefore helps keep the air warm, and so on and so on. This instrumental track by Jada G, called Orca's Reprise, 
is intended to evoke the challenges the planet faces from climate change with the voices of orca or killer whales in the mix. The beaches and waterways of the Waikato are seeing a massive influx of people wanting to cool off in this heat wave. Understandably so. But that may now be causing problems, as indicated by the significant rates of people getting into trouble in the water so far this summer. So I'm Daniel Wilson and I'm the president at Raglan Saving Club. Certainly the beach has been busy um, with the lack of ability to travel. People are flocking to local beaches and it's definitely been a hot summer break period. So we've definitely seen high numbers of people at Raglan as have most beaches in the area. It has meant a little bit of extra work, but the beach is generally reasonably busy at this time of the year anyway. So we aim to have a good number of people there um, between the paid guards working during the week and then the volunteers that work the weekend. Um, we've definitely seen an uptick in rescues this year. We've rescued more people already this season than we rescued in our whole season last year. Um, just the nature of Ragland at the moment is the beach has changed quite a lot over winter and it is a bit more dangerous this season, a bit less predictable than it was last year. So how exactly have the conditions changed and what has caused that? Just with the amount of sand that moved over the winter period, it's um, pushed a lot of sand to the north and it's created quite a large bar um, off the beach. So there's been quite a deep trough between that bar and the main beach with only a southward exit for the water that comes over the top of it. So it's created a quite bad situation where the water comes over the back bar and then breaks inshore but pulls south. So we've seen quite a lot of people, even in, from inside the flags or just south of the flags, getting pulled south and needing to do quite a lot of preventative work to make sure they don't end up in the rip heading offshore. I suppose more rips would naturally be developing because of that bar. Yes and no. It's focused the water flow to a very strong central rip compared to having multiple smaller rips down the beach, um, which kind of in some ways makes it a bit easier to manage but the rip currently is sitting about where we were setting flags up last season but definitely a change year on year to where we're patrolling the beach. Uh, would the temperature of the water be different uh, in this heat wave, and that be affecting the way that the water is behaving and the way that people are, are, are facing the situation there? No, I think the water temp was actually down at the start of this week, certainly when we were out there for my patrol on the 2nd of January, the water was the coldest I think it's been since November. Um, the southerlies just cooled the water temperature off a little bit, but certainly it's coming back up now. Um, doesn't seem to have an effect on the way the rips and, the, and that stuff work. It's more about the sand and what's going on offshore. Now, what are some mistakes you have seen people making both in and out of the water? Uh, as you said, there's been a real uptick in people making mistakes or, or getting caught up having problems in the water. Probably the predominant one is just not swimming between the flags and overestimating their own ability and going you know, outside of a depth where they can comfortably stand up. Um, you know, we're not going to necessarily 
four feet of under the flags if they're in knee deep water but certainly any deeper than that at Ragland at the moment and there's a risk that you could quite easily lose your footing and end up in deeper water quite quickly. So the flags indicate um, the area that is deemed relatively safe to swim in uh, and I guess that is the key area that uh, is monitored by Raglan Surf Club as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, We have some overview of the whole beach but we're definitely focusing our resources on that flagged area to make sure that A, the flags are in the safest part of the beach for swimmers and then making sure that all the swimmers in that area are well catered for. How many lifeguards are generally on duty uh, on the beaches at any one time in Raglan? So regionals are running six to seven guards during the week and then on the weekend we're averaging 10 to 14 guards for volunteers. Right, so that's really quite significant and it would require um, a small team of lifeguards um, to uh, help somebody who's got into trouble in the water, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, A rescue would involve at least three people by the time we launch a boat with two people on it and then somebody overseeing the situation from an advantage point. Now, the national figures of people getting into trouble in the water this summer has been concerning. Uh, and does that make lifeguards feel some dismay to be having to help so many people? I mean, we're an island nation and we we would hope that a lot of people would be able to hold their own in the water, but um, it would appear not so. Yeah, look, there's certainly some dissatisfaction that maybe we could be doing something better around water safety nationally and some of that education side of it. I think Raglan has and the general Waikato area hasn't had too bad a summer in the scheme of things. It seemed to be a bit further afield from a swimming incidents, um, other than the ones in the Waikato River, of course. But we at Raglan don't feel like this season had a particular uptick in people making wrong decisions. The beach is just that much more dangerous this season for us that we've seen more people getting caught in flash rips and stuff that's just happened that even we can't predict that have just led to them getting into trouble. Have there been any fatal incidents? Not at Raglan this season. So it shows that you at the Raglan Surf Club are doing a great job, um, but obviously the, the the influx of people out to the beaches poses a challenge, as well as that sandbar that you're talking about having formed. So uh, just lastly, Daniel, would you like to give some advice to anyone at the beach this summer, particularly during the heat waves? Um, to take again both in and out of the water what should people what should people really watch out for Look, I think it's really important to choose a lifeguarded beach and then swim between the flags that's probably the number one thing try and stay away from rivers with high currents or tidal mouths with high tidal flows all of those sorts of areas are going to be particularly dangerous and don't swim by yourself stay within your own limit. The natural climate processes of La Nina and El Nino continue to take place on Earth, but with somewhat different effects due to climate change induced by human activity. 
Chris Brandolino from Niwa explains. Um, La Nina is what we call a natural climate driver. It's it's opposite. It's on the opposite end of the um, spectrum uh, as El Nino. So you have neutral, which is in the middle. It's neither La Nina or El Nino. So you have neutral, and generally speaking, that's where we spend most of our time. But every three to seven years, you'll get an episode repeating of either La Nina or El Nino. So those are opposite ends of the spectrum, the La Nina and El Nino, and those are naturally occurring events that have occurred for thousands of years. Um, Climate change is likely to influence um, how those natural climate drivers behave in the coming decades. Um, That's something that's out of my expertise, but um, those are things, um, that will likely, climate change will likely have an influence on as our Earth basically warms with time. I think, look, coming back to the Waikato, something which we've been noticing is that we've had some incredibly hot days here uh, and in other central parts of the North Island, such as at Taumadanui and Tikawiti. I heard Taupor hit its highest temperature on record the other day of over 33 degrees. Uh, is this because of them lying inland um, and sort of the wind blowing the hot air into in, inland and then it becoming settled there? That's part of it, yeah. So over the past few days, we've had, at least the past couple days anyway, we've had this sort of easterly sort of kind of flow. So the air or the wind has been flowing from the east to the west. That's, that basically is an easterly wind. And so when you get that to eat that air direction, now it's not very strong, the wind, but it is a warm airflow to begin with, and that warmness is accentuated or enhanced as it travels down in elevation, say, off the Kaimais, uh, uh, maybe to what separates the Bay of Plenty and the Waikato region. So those areas will tend to get a bit of extra lift or an extra giddy-up uh, because of that descending air. It's, it's basically a version of a fern wind. A fern wind is what often happens in the South Island, in Canterbury, for example, because generally speaking, our weather comes from the east and goes to the west. That's a westerly wind flow. And because our winds are from the west, prevailing westerlies, eastern parts of the South Island tend to be drier than the western parts of the South Island, and that's largely because of the southern Alps and the westerly wind, and that wind is wet and moist generally on the west side of the Alps, but dry and warmer on the east side, and that air descending in elevation is a fern wind, and you can get similar effects, not to the same, I suppose, degree or, or, or magnitude, if you will, as you would east of the uh, southern Alps, but it does happen. happens in Napier and Hawke's Bay, happens in Bay of Plenty, those are typically sunny, warm places. That's because generally most times, not all, but most, our wind airflow is of a westerly flavor. Um, and that's why we tend to have a lot of sunshine in the Bay of Plenty and, and hot weather and dry weather in Gisborne, Hawke's Bay, and the Bay of Plenty. But if the wind goes from the other way, the east, then the opposite can happen in other areas.
are these spikes in temperature in New Zealand precedented? I mean, we've got the higher temperatures this year than we've seen in decades and decades. Uh, but is, is this spike um, a regular a regular phenomenon which we uh, shouldn't be worried about? Well, look, um, as I said at the top, it's summer. It gets hot in summer. Um, it gets cold in winter. I mean, those are kind of obvious statements. But I think what separates um, what we've experienced uh, over the past few days and what we continue to experience um, into the well into this week of the new year is the succession of days. Um, that's one thing. And the other is that we are, um, some of these temperatures, as you noted, are either record or near record. Topol had their equal warmest January temperature on record on Tuesday. The records go back to 1950. Uh, Hamilton had their second highest January temperature on record uh, at, at Ruakur, at our Ruakur station at 31.4 on, on Tuesday. Records there go back to 1940. Tomad Renui, fourth warmest. So when you start getting into record and near record territory, I think that is a signal that, hey, this is unusual. Um, and as I say before, because of the successive days, consecutive days of very warm to hot temperatures, I think that's another notch in the unusual belt or on the unusual belt, if you will. Um, look, uh, uh, unfortunately, these sorts of events are aligned with our expectations. When it comes to climate change, I think it was my esteemed colleague, Dr. Sam Dean, who had a quote, and I'll, I'll paraphrase and reuse his his quote, is that, you know, as we look ahead into the coming decades, you know, 30, 20, 60, 80 years from now, you know, what climate change will be felt through the extremes. You know, so as our average temperatures get higher and higher, for example, our extremes get higher as well. And people don't really notice if the temperature is a degree or two higher, you know, over several decades, but what you do notice is when you get these extreme events happening, be it, you know, 35 degrees or 34 degrees or multiple days above 30, things like that, when hard to sleep at night, I think those are the events that stick out more, and it's those events that are made, that aren't caused by climate change, but those extreme events are made more likely to happen, uh, their frequency is likely to increase, and their intensity is higher. So climate change, look, extreme events have always happened, and I'm not a climate change expert, but fortunate to work with climate change experts at NEWA, so I learned a couple things along the way. Um, climate change doesn't really cause these extreme events, but it makes them more likely to happen, it makes them more frequent in terms of their regularity, and it makes them more extreme. So you take these same events, as I like to say, these same natural events, that we talked about earlier, warmer ocean temperatures, winds coming from the north, it's summertime, high pressure. You take all those same natural events, you chuck it into a time machine, and you hit the year 2080, you hop out of that time machine, it's going to be warmer yet. And that is because the Earth will have warmed over the next 50, 20, or 60 years or whatever. So it's, it's, it's yes, it has always, uh, we always have natural events that yield to big rainfall, 
rainfall, reduced rainfall, or extreme temperatures in terms of heat. But you throw in climate change in the background, and it just accentuates that and makes it more likely to happen and it makes it more extreme. Climate change has been taking place over the entire history of the planet. It's a natural process. However, humanity has been aware of the future predicaments we face because of it for some time. We have also understood that our activity and production of carbon emissions have been playing a part in it. In Neil Young's song, After the Gold Rush, released back at the turn of the decade from the 60s to the 70s, he was one of many who was already looking to the future with concern. Yeah, I guess my advice would be uh, just stay cool, drink plenty of uh, liquid, and, and stay hydrated. Look, it, it will cool off a bit over the next couple of days, but unfortunately that may be a short-lived. Uh, looks like temperatures are probably going to be increasing again as we look ahead into uh, early next week. Um, and we'll be issuing, we'll be issuing uh, an updated three-month outlook early in the new week next week uh, to give us an idea of what we can expect for the rest of summer and into early autumn. I was thinking about what a friend had said I was hoping it was a lie Thinking about what a friend had said I was hoping it was a lie Here's some relevant words from the track The 1975 given by Greta Thunberg, climate change activist. We must admit that we are losing this battle. We have to acknowledge that the older generations have failed. All political movements in their present form have failed. But Homo sapiens have not yet failed. Yes, we are failing, but there is still time to turn everything around. We can still fix this. We still have everything in our own hands. But unless we recognize the overall failures of our current systems, we most probably don't stand a chance. Thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikato. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance, and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.